Hey, everyone, and welcome back to a really special episode of There Was an Idea. In this episode, I must right these wrongs. For today's episode, I did something a little bit different. Rather than have a conversation with some friends who I already know, I reached out to a professor of African history. His name is Professor Brian J. Yates, and he teaches history at St. Joseph's University in Pennsylvania. And it was really such an honor to be able to hear his insights on the world of Black Panther. And I learned a lot from talking with him. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you follow us at anidea underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram and enjoy the episode. I am TK of New York, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I'm a high school teacher by day, and I'm also a huge fan of pop culture. And this is There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that finds itself at the place where those two things meet. Join me and some special guests as we explore the MCU through concepts in the humanities. Spoiler alert, one of those concepts is intertextuality, and as such, each episode of this podcast will likely contain spoilers for multiple films in the MCU. Thinkers, inquirers, and lovers of entertainment, assemble. Brian, I can't thank you enough for joining me today to talk about Black Panther. Before we begin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a college professor in the Department of History at, at St. Joseph's University in Philly. I specialize in Ethiopian history, uh, where most of my work is on, but I'm a lifelong comics fan, lifelong uh, comic book fan. Awesome. And to me, I'm a firm believer in writing about what you, you, what you feel passionate about. So um, over the years, I began using graphic novels in my research, but now I'm using it in my teaching. So um, this semester, I'm going to use um, Tynisi Coates' uh, present run uh, on, on the Black Panther uh, in my History 210 class, which is uh, uh, the, the, modern, the introduction to modern African history. So and cool. uh, I'll, t- I'll let you know how it goes. I, I'm not, yeah, you know, if, awesome. if, if interested. But to me, I think that again, um, like we, we've been socialized to believe that comic book or superhero movies are kid stuff. Mm. But there's a lot of really important ideas that, that are presented in this seemingly kids form, but increasingly, I would argue, in adult form. And so, um, yeah, so that that that's sort of my story. That I I do Africa specifically, and I'm trying to use graphic novels increasingly in both um, um, my research and also teaching. And then here, the Black Panther film, I incorporated it. It fits right into the graphic novels on him, where he's he's a similar character. There are differences, but a similar character. And um, the movie did a great deal to enrich our knowledge about the world of Wakanda. So I I use that as well. Very cool. And I love that. I love that approach. And I have the same kind of conversations with my own young students who are in high school. And sometimes they're um, surprised that, you know, I have little figurines of Marvel characters and Star Wars characters on my desk and that um, I'm, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of these, you know, these fandoms that may be associated with, with younger people. But I think, uh, as you said so astutely, there's, there's so much to, to learn from them. So oh, yeah. I oh, agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you're a comics guy, is what I'm hearing. Um, do you <laughs> do you consider yourself a fan of the cinematic universe for Marvel as well? Oh, I would say absolutely. You know, huge fan. I mean, a couple things. One, a lot of the stories that the um, that are shown that that are um, you know are are in the movies are derived from comic books. Right. So to me, and, and there's a lot of similarities between the two. So I'm a huge fan of the. Um, I guess I'll say the canon or official 
Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe, all the movies have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. The one, the, the non-canon, um, I like both the Deadpool stuff, but yeah. um, uh, but the X Men movies, and I, I'm a huge X Men fan. Oh my gosh! Uh, the yes. last, the last two or three have been really disappointing. <laughs> That's I mean, right. From from the Apocalypse one, which is, I mean, it, it, it completely changed who Apocalypse is, and I don't want to get too much into geekdom, but um, <laughs> it, it, it is uh, uh, it is just the end. But I would say that in, they had a clear plan for each phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's something that is um, a really well done. I mean, the whole story and the ways in which the movies interact with each other is it, yeah. really. I mean, like, even look, like, I mean, even the Black Panther film, right? I mean. Essentially, it, the movie began when T'Chaka, um, T'Challa's father was killed right. in the Civil War, you know, part three. And so to me, like that kind of stuff is, 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 is well, I mean, not only well planned, but well executed. And I think, you know, your admiration for your respect for your love for the comics probably, you know, because those are so intricately plotted, right? And there's so many connections um, for you and others who came into the movies being fans of the comics first. I'm sure that's something that you extra appreciate. And then also all the love that the movies get. I'm like, okay, now my love for comics is confirmed because (laughs) people people like hearing or or viewing these stories. And, you know, so so to me, it's it's always wonderful to see how many, um, you know, new fans of comics are derived, as you mentioned before, from watching the films. Absolutely. And it's great to see. Yeah. So you spoke to this a little bit already, but if you want to say a little bit more about how your role as a historian has intersected with the world of Marvel um, and specifically with the stories and characters of Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. And to me, I mean, like, um, I would say that uh, I study Ethiopia. And yes. one of the one of the one of the kind of parallels that people want to make between Ethiopia and Wakanda is that both of them have not been um, colonized by right. outsiders, right? You know, and so to me, like, so I was immediately drawn to see this, you know, this 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 um this this um this nation that has not been beaten or has not been you know um controlled. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the interviews by uh, uh, by Reginald Hudlin, who used to write the Black Panther, he's more of a uh, he he uh, he did the film. Um, Boomerang, uh, all the house parties, class act. So he's kind of a Hollywood guy for the most part. Yeah. But he wrote uh, he wrote Black Panther for uh, maybe about seven or eight years. And what he said about Wakanda in terms of real life, he said that um, Wakanda is an example of what the entire continent of Africa could be mm. without colonialism. And so, so to me, like I always view it as sort of an aspirant. So then here, if African nations were given the choice, how do you want to construct your economy, your culture? your education, et cetera. And I think Wakanda is, is, is that to me. Yeah. Um, and then um, in terms of, and it's, it's something that's not in the film, but it's something that's in, that has a major theme in, in the books and it's probably coming for Black Panther Part Two mm-hmm. is uh, the relationship between Storm and Black Panther. As the story is that you have Storm, Black Panther, two very different kind of upbringings. One is grew up as an orphan. One is a mutant. Uh, Black Panther is not a mutant. He's a human. Mm-hmm. And I would say the kind of the trans, I, I call it the transnational conception of blackness is that something draws them to each other and they have very little in terms of common commonalities, but something draws them to each other. Um, and then, and the third thing is that like, um, I think that it's probably going into some of your next questions, but, um, I'd like to see examples of black excellence. And I'm not saying that every nation is Wakanda or that Wakanda is something that people can can obtain, but it is wonderful just seeing um, yeah. something that is great on the screen that represents you. And so to me, and going back to, um, I went to Instructed Black College, Morehouse, and it is, and to me, and so 
seeing black excellence just became normal mm. and not every not every human being gets to have that be normal in their lives and so to me those are the kind of things that that, that really caused me to connect with Wakanda because I mean and, and the Black Panther character is that he's someone that um and he's someone that or I guess they are, are are someone that you know can give lessons for life it always it was also very comforting seeing that kind of um quality being seen on the screen and just to um and I don't get too much into the the, the, the uh the um the geekness of uh Black Panther, <laughs> but um like right now uh his sister in the the film is more of a geeky kind of uh, scientist. That's um, right. But yeah. in, in the comics, she's more of a warrior than okay. And she's very much a warmongering. And, and so and then and now she, I think she's officially the Black Panther. So I mean again, so you also have a group, a great deal of um of of gender uh equality or even gender being done in some way shown in more so in the comic book, but I think it's coming for the um for for the film, and I think I also yeah. like seeing that. Where I think that one of the things I love about comic books are, are the amount of strong women that they portray. Absolutely, and, and I, I mean I don't mean strong like physically strong, but like strong in terms of a, a force of will. And mm-hmm. I think that it's really important that everyone's represented. I could not agree more. And um, I think, you know, I think that connects a little bit to what I wanted to talk about next, um, as as I'm sure you remember, um, and for our listeners. So this movie, Black Panther, was released in February 2018, hugely successful, made over $1 billion internationally. And that's in box office alone. Um, if you get into all of the merchandising, DVDs, things like that, um, it's well beyond that. It quickly became many MCU fans' favorite installment in the franchise. It inspired author Carvel Wallace, among others, to call it a, quote, defining moment for Black America. And since then, this movie has continued to be a subject of academic and social commentary. So you spoke to this a little bit already, but if you want to say a little bit more, what is it about this movie, in your opinion, that spoke to so many people and specifically to Black Americans? I mean, I mean, I think, I mean, if, if I give you, hopefully I'm going to give you too long of an answer, but um, <laughs> uh, it goes back. My mother used to tell me that when there was a black person on television, the whole neighborhood would run home with the one house that had a TV and they would watch the wow. one black person on TV. And to me, I think that so, um, and I sent you the picture yes. of, of, of of the Scotty Young cover, uh, variant cover of, of Black Panther number one. Um, Beautiful. And. Yeah, and, and it's funny that, and, and then and then um you showed me the the YouTube clip of a guy talking about how much it meant to them, That's and right. I told you this in the email. But literally, in my in my basement where I where I just was, I have the poster of the Black Panther, and right above it, I have the actual comic book that I showed you the picture of. So and cool. to me, like, and basically, it's um two black children looking at the Black Panther movie poster, saying, "That's me." Yeah. One little boy and one little girl. And to me, I think that it's 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 a sign that how few black stories are on yeah are on in in, in a movie theater right and so i I would argue that marvel didn't realize this movie was going to be as popular as it was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if you look at their major films they release them summertime that's right black panther came out in february you know what i mean and 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 so i I think and so i think they were they were telling the larger story but they they gave they didn't give a prime slot for the telling of a black panther but again the great the great thing about um media today is that if it's out there and people want to consume it they will you know and so i I remember when i walked into the movie theater um there was a bunch of people wearing dashikis and i'm like okay i I didn't realize i needed to be in costume (laughs) to watch a movie but yeah it works for you that's cool for me too you know and so i think that people 
want to see um, themselves being superheroes, right? And I think that an additional element to that is that I also do identity and um, inequality and, and race. Uh, in, in America, I guess an additional thing that I do, and one of the issues is that many people want to treat Black people differently mm-hmm. because they're descended from Africans. Mm-hmm. So then you, so, so you have two things. You have them seeing Black people doing wonderful things, but not just Western Black people. That's We're right. Africans doing this. And to me, and, and, and even from the beginning of the Black Panther comic book, it was created by two uh, white guys, Stanley and, and Jack Kirby. But they realized that even in their, their rosters, like, we don't have any Black superheroes. Mm-hmm. So let's sit there and get one, not from America, let's get one from Africa. And let, it, let let's create this world. Um, and again, if you look at for most of Black Panther's history up until about the year uh, 1998, all the writers have been white. And, oh. and, and so, but... It, it succeeded because people want to see these stories. And I think that, that that's what really connected to me. And I'm looking so um, forward to um, Black Panther 2. Oh uh, my gosh, one more thing yeah. I want to add is that um, although the story is interesting, I think that a lot of times one of the things that I'm kind of a, um, a little bit sad about is that the actors and the writer of the film are seemingly lost in this thing where Ryan Kluger, who's, who's written, done a lot of wonderful work before that, right. like he's seemingly lost that, like he directed this wonderful movie that, and I will go to later in terms of differences between the film and the comics, yeah. but he recreated this whole world. And I think that the, 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 uh, the ideas of, okay, we're in control now. What do you do with the power? That's right. A really interesting question. And I think that the Black Panther puts across an answer to that question that, um, that spoke to a lot of people in here, uh, both the Killmonger and the T'Challa fans. And I think that, again, mm-hmm. so I think that not only is it seeing uh, dark-skinned people in prominent places, but also it's a really, really good story. I mean, I mean the movie is, is a, it tells a really wonderful plot. It, the actors are exceptional. I mean, I've been getting into, I bought a few um, books on the making of Black Panther. And so, like, oh, cool. the outfits... Like I didn't realize that a lot of the outfits were made in a 3D printer, and they tried wow. to combine various African motifs, uh, uh, colors, and cultures. And so, to me, it was also showing positive elements of African culture that yeah. are so rarely seen, especially in the West, where all we hear about. I mean, I asked, uh, I, I asked my students, "Give me ten things you hear that, that you've heard about Africa," mm. and almost all ten are going to be negative: famine, drought, war. Whatever. And, and very rarely does someone say, hey, well, you know, they, they do positive things there. One in seven people on the planet are living in Africa, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't get any of that. And so here the Black Panther really speaks to the void of positive coverage of of people of African descent. Yeah. And I think um, on that on that note, thinking about the costumes, the colors and just the world that Ryan Coogler um, depicted on screen. I want to talk a little bit about Wakanda. So I'll go back a, a little bit. The article that you wrote about, which was specifically about Reginald Hudlin's run of Black Panther comics, um, when I read that, I was very intrigued by what I learned regarding the similarities and differences between that iteration of the Black Panther's world and the one that we see on screen. So one thing, as you were kind of just speaking to, one thing that struck me as a viewer, a white American viewer, um, the first time I saw this movie 
was how the Wakanda of the film succeeds in presenting a counterpoint to some of Hollywood's more racist notions of Africa as being either monolithic, right? This idea that mm, Africa yeah. is all one thing. Um, and then also um, that it's lacking in societies that are equal to, or as we're seeing here, actually superior to Western societies. So I'm interested in hearing your take on the Wakanda of the film and how it may be similar and or different to the Wakanda of the comics. Okay, so what is depicted in the um, in the film is, is called the Golden City, mm-hmm. which is the kind of the capital of, of Wakanda. And so weirdly enough, a lot of the critics of the film said that actually it didn't look good enough. Wow. And if you look at the difference between how Wakanda is shown uh, in the movie The Black Panther and then... Um, I guess it would be part two of um of um the one with Thanos and the Infinity Gems, Infinity War. Yeah, part Infinity two, War, right? They, they made it much more. They, they increased the size of the buildings. Okay. Um, and Hutland's done a, a lot of really good work. I mean, sorry, a, a Coates. Basically, he begins almost all of the um issues with a huge map of Wakanda. Great, very cool. And, and so it really kind of filling out the world of of you know where does the where the tribe live. Where does the um uh was the mountain tribe live? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where where are the traders? And so here, and so I would say that in terms of the film, it's basically sort of a, a shortened, simplified version of Wakanda. There's a few main differences. Um, so one, if you remember Umbaku, which uh which was the I guess the guy who was in charge of the mountain tribe. Uh, in in the uh in the comics, uh the mountain tribes aren't a part of Wakanda, and that okay. this guy is referred to as Manape. And he is actually a major enemy of Wakanda and the Black Panther. His role in the comic books is very similar. Uh, I mean, his role, um, and so him not being part of um, not being part of Wakanda and fighting against it is filled in by Killmonger. And sure. in okay. the comics, Killmonger is an American. He's he's African. Oh, interesting. And he is um he's he feels that actually that um, Wakanda should have shared their resources mm. and didn't. And so he's fighting against them as an African. And again, I fully understand why um why um Cougar changed him to be an American because again, he's writing towards an American audience and there needs to be major American characters in, in there, you know what I mean, for it to make sense. Yeah. But um and then here just to maybe continue differences in, in in the um in the film, Wakanda is like the secret, right? That no one knows where it is, no one even knows about these Africans, right? Yeah, and then and so the and, and movie ends with them introducing themselves to the world. Uh, in the comics, Wakanda is known, mm. and it had to defeat a series uh, of invasions over the years. So, um, and actually, the first that they redid the beginnings of Black Panther, and um, basically, um, T'Challa's grandfather fought Captain America during World War II wow. because Nazis were trying to uh, go into Wakanda and steal the vibranium, and of course. Um, um, his grandfather didn't know that that, that that Captain America wasn't wasn't part of the Nazis. And so sure, <laughs> he, he beat him up, and 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 they ended up you know becoming friends and and so on. So I mean, and so, but I would say for the most part, they're they are very very similar. It's just um, the differences being that Wakanda is not as isolationist in the um, comic books as it is in the film. Yeah, um, and I think that this is what becomes, I would argue, sort of the major plot um, theme in the movie. Okay. Should Wakanda open up? Right, right, and exactly. If they open up, what's the role going to be? Yeah, so that's fascinating to me that in the comics, 
that that conflict wasn't there or that the, the and I got the impression from your article too that T'Challa was much more always kind of going around visiting America visiting wherever yeah. else and so um obviously this this movie is presents that that conflict about Wakanda differently so let's let's talk a little bit about T'Challa so in your article you write about T'Challa as quote a symbol of black pride black unity and black superiority and you speak about how as opposed to previous iterations of the character um, Hudlin's take on T'Challa, and I'm going to imagine Coates's afterward as well, um, mm-hmm. is one that really elevates and celebrates his Black identity. Um, and I was struck by your description about what makes T'Challa so good and heroic, namely the fact that it's not his royal heritage, nor his wealth, nor his power, but rather his commitment to his ideals and who he chooses to be. And that's very much the theme of this season of my podcast is like, we're really looking at who are these characters? That's right. That's the last line in the movie that little boy in Oakland asks to tell T'Challa, who are you? Right. So really that theme of identity. Um, Yeah. I loved that part too. So um, in your take, do you think the movie version is consistent with the Hudlin's uh, presentation of the character or other comic presentations of the character? Do you recognize those same qualities in the movies T'Challa? And what do you think about his identity journey in the film? I mean, okay, so here, if I can take a step back in terms of, I don't want to get too much into comic geekdom. Sure. But, um, <laughs> in, terms, in terms of, like, I would say that, like, um, in, in the film, the Black Panther has to figure out his place in the world. Right. And learn how to be a king at the same time. Mm. In the comics, his father is killed when T'Challa was much younger. In right. addition to the fact that, and so here, his nickname in, in the series is the Orphan King. Um, oh, wow, in okay. Addition, in addition, his mother is not from Wakanda. She's from South Africa. Oh. And so they see him also as an outsider. And, and so um, and so I would say that in, in, in terms of the comics, America and Americans play a much larger role in terms of defining who he is. Uh, he goes to school in America. Um, wow, okay. and, he ha- and he has both. Yeah, he has both. Um, he also has American girlfriends, both black and white, mm-hmm. and American friends. And I'm not sure if you watch the Netflix series, uh, Luke Cage. Actually, they meet each other when T'Challa is a much younger man, and he opens his eyes to a great deal about race in, right. in the world. And so it's kind of a gradual kind of thing with uh, with with the books. But in the film, and again, I think this different medium, right? They, they, you, you're there for an hour and a half or two hours, and so you got to have this whole big story, you know, presented to you. Um, it's all happening at the same time. In terms of um, Hudson's version, is that you see T'Challa at the height of his powers. Wakanda okay. is 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 the the most important it's ever been. He's in his prime. He's making um he's part of not only the Avengers but this group called the Illuminati who secretly control the world. And so he is he's as height. What you see in a film is a much younger T'Challa, someone who's not as sure of himself, right? Yeah. Um, someone who has you know advisors pulling him in different ways. You have him. Also confronting um, the, the past errors of uh, of the, the past Black Panthers, and so, mm-hmm. uh, but then, but also, I think that that's a way more interesting character than the one that's you know already a superhero, already knows what he's going to do. And so here, I think that again, it really speaks to Cougars in the ways in which he reshaped T'Challa to make him more palatable or understandable or even more connectable to um, normal human beings. Because I think that right. one of the things that Hutland didn't do as well, and if you look at one of the um, images that I showed in the um, in, in, in the article is T'Challa taking off his mask to prove to this little boy 
that he's a human being. Right, right, right. And so I think that that's what I think Hutton creates a very separated or isolated T'Challa, while you find Cougar's T'Challa is someone who wants to connect. Right. You know, yeah. he, he made the choice to announce his presence, you know, at, at the U.N. because he wants to connect with people who aren't Wakandan, wants to care about people who aren't Wakandan. Right. You know, and, and that's what makes him a bit different from um, the uh, version of um, T'Challa that is presented in, in Huckman. Um, yeah, really cool. Also, um, in terms of the way Huckman views T'Challa, essentially, he sees them as the most excellent person in the most excellent nation. And so he actually ends his run on uh, on the Black Panther, ending with Wakandans defeating the Iron Man-led America, wow. um, and it, and then he calls it World War Three to take over the world. But how do you tell that story in two in two hours, right? Yeah. And so I think that um, Kuga did a wonderful job making making the world of Wakanda small enough to be consumed in two hours. Yeah, and it, in the movie we see the story of him becoming, and that that's something that yeah. I've talked to with. All of all of my guests, I have some episodes coming up on other movies like Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel. Oh, and wow, wow. We talked a lot about that process that we're seeing. If, if there's one thing that these movies all have in common, though they are very different in tone and directorial style, but this idea of, like you were kind of saying before, like if the hero is already the hero and is untouchable and is excellent in every way, it's harder for people to connect with that story. And it's kind of like, where did you go from there? So as we get these stories of the character really having that identity crisis and in the process of becoming who they are. And again, that's why I love that last line of the movie so much when that little, well, the last line of the official movie and then there's the post credits yeah. sequences. Yeah. But, um, but when he says to, to T'Challa, who are you, right? Like it's like T'Challa gives that smile because he, he's just starting to really realize, right? Who he is. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I love that so much. But um, to me, um, perhaps the most compelling aspect of this movie is the conflict between T'Challa and Eric Killmonger. And I've read a number of articles that have very different takes on Killmonger, his ideals, <laughs> his goals. And I'm interested in hearing yours because, you know, he's so interesting because he's the hero of the, uh, sorry, he's the villain of the film, but he mm -hmm. really holds a mirror up to our hero, to T'Challa. And in many ways, we can read him as being the catalyst for T'Challa's change of heart regarding Wakanda's role in the world. Although I don't want to ignore Nakia, who plays a huge mm. role in that too. Oh, yeah. Um, without being a villain. Um, so, but but still, right, you get this sense that in Kugler's um, vision of the movie, Killmonger is meant to be there as a foil, right, to T'Challa. Yeah. And there's a scene that I want to just talk a little bit about because I think it captures this, the conflict between T'Challa and Killmonger so well. Um, when Killmonger approaches the royalty of Wakanda and he confronts them and he says y'all are sitting up here comfortable it must feel good it's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us but their lives are a lot harder and wakanda has the tools to liberate them all and t'challa you know basically asks him what tools are those and he says your vibranium your weapons and t'challa says our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world it's not our way to be judge jury and executioner for people who are not our own and of course, Killmonger says to him, not your own, but didn't life start right here on this continent? Ain't all people your people? So T'Challa says, I'm not king of all people. I'm king of Wakanda, right? Such an interesting conflict that they're having. Um, and he says, he says, it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like you. Um, so he, he has that confrontation with Killmonger. 
And then in a later scene, after Killmonger has taken over the throne, T'Challa has that visit on the ancestral plane where he sees his father and his other ancestors. And he's angry. He says to them, you were wrong. All of you were wrong to turn your backs on the rest of the world. We let the fear of discovery stop us from doing what is right. No more. I cannot stay here with you. I cannot rest while he sits on the throne. He's a monster of our own making. I must take the mantle back. I must, I must right these wrongs. So these scenes are full um, and there's so much to unpack. And um, I just am interested in hearing your take on this essential conflict between T'Challa and Killmonger and these scenes in particular. Okay. Um, well, first, I'm going to say that is a genius of Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan because, again, like, oh my God, the, the, right? the, the, yeah, a well written scene, well acted. And, and I'm sorry, also Chadwick Boseman. Again, I, I don't want to uh, not talk about him, but yeah, so in one, so um, I think that I'm going to say that he took, a, I would argue, a run of the mill, two dimensional villain, mm. um, uh, Killmonger, and made him three dimensional, right? I think that, you know, great. Like even like for example, um, I'm sure you've seen the uh, Infinity um, War. Um, oh yeah. Um, um, so like for example, in the comics, it comes off very differently. So essentially, uh, Thanos instead of thinking about this way that only half the world, uh, only half the population of the galaxy needs to exist, he did it in the comic books because he wanted to marry this entity called Death, and he did it to an impressor. And what I would a argue, less interesting uh, motivation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? So, the, And the same thing going on with, with Killmonger, right? Because yeah. Killmonger doesn't want, doesn't want to write wrongs in a comic book. He wants to sit there and take over a Wakanda and run in to be a king. Mm. Um, and so here, I think making people see, like, the logic and why, what, what propels a villain. Yes, is 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 a, is a wonderful you know thing, and and so with um with with Killmonger, I, I'm gonna say, I don't want to I want to go keep going back into the comic geekdom, but I will share this one story that I think that is very much uh, germane to the discussion of this scene. Great. So essentially, um, if if Wakanda in the comics has been around and they're powerful for centuries upon centuries upon centuries, one of the questions that was asked by um this is T'Challa's son was, where was Wakanda during the African, or I guess the uh, transatlantic slave trade. Yep, mm-hmm. and, and that's a really good. It's a really good question, right? You, you know, and so, um, and it's very interestingly at this time, Storm is married to Black Panther, but Storm gives the answer. Okay. And what Storm says is that um, if you are a leader, you don't bully. And and and, and this is a, what does physical force actually accomplish? That let's just say, um, like let's just say, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an evil person. Let's just say I, I wanted, I didn't like this person, and I beat him up. Is that going to really cause less conflict down the road? No. It, I, I may feel better about myself doing this kind of violence, but the problem is solved. And so, to to bring it back to um your your question, okay, so here is that Wakanda had the chance to stop the oppressors from oppressing people who aren't Wakanda. Right. And Kilmar was like, well, I got weapons. I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of things is, is lost in this is, is that um, he, he says that it is not our way to be judge, jury, and execution. And I think that people focus on who are not our own mm. at the expense of what Kilmar is telling T'Challa to do. That's right. He's, t- he's telling T'Challa to start World War III. That essentially, to t- you know, and how many people are going to die, you know, in, in this, right? And, and so, and I think that T'Challa agrees 
with Killmonger's endpoint, but they disagree on the means to getting there, right? Mm-hmm. And if you see, and if you see what, um, what, um, it's, it's kind, of, it's very, very subtle. But in the comics, as well as in, um, in the film, the only time you see Wakandans using weapons is in defense. That's right. Not nothing. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, and so here, the the idea is that um, T'Challa wants to right the wrongs, but wants to do so in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at the, how he ends the movie, the movie begins and ends in the same parking lot, in the same park in Oakland. That's and right. so he's thinking, okay, a way to free the, the, the oppressed on the oppressors may be in knowledge, maybe in technology. So he's finding a STEM center in Oakland. And that's his way of righting the wrongs by giving yeah. people the means to remake their own reality. That would be a way to do it without violence. And then one more thing I just wanted to add about in terms of this answer is that one of the things that I personally am, am very annoyed about mm-hmm. is the people who wear the Killmonger with white shirts. Because really? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen shirts like that. I've had, I, live, I live in Philadelphia, which is a, uh, it's not a majority black city, but most of uh, the largest demographic group in Philadelphia are, are black Americans. Okay, and so yeah. it's it, it very, very common. And a lot of people are like, yeah, man, I love that Killmonger. And I'm like, and, and he's actually get, he got his own book uh, in terms of comic okay. book uh, now because of, because of his, uh, his popularity during the movie. But I think that one of the things that people are, are, are praying into is the belief that just because you have the power to do something, you should do it. Mm-hmm, and a mm-hmm. lot of people say, well, the only difference between African societies and European societies is that, well, if Africans had the same technology and military power that Europeans had, the Africans would have enslaved the Europeans. And I'd, I'd, I, I wouldn't make that assumption. Colonialism and imperialism, which is one of the things that, that unpacked here, are very much a result of a cultural idea or belief. Yes. That fundamentally, some people mean more than others, or that because I want this land and I can take it, I'm going to do it. And I, I don't think we can assume that all of humanity has these values. And, and yeah. so I, but I do think that it's very interesting that um, Kugler chose to make Killmonger American mm-hmm. because unfortunately I'm an American, you're an American, right? Mm-hmm. We enjoy creating conflict. Mm-hmm. We as a society do not resolve conflict very, 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 very often in nonviolent ways. True. And so I think that here, Killmonger is because he's American, says that, oh, I got power. I'm going to use it to make the world the way I want it to be. Right. And that's, that's very much an American idea. You, you know, um, and you know, again, I don't want to get too political or world affairs, but I mean, this is probably why we're in a position we're in right now, right? Because we, we, we have, we've upgraded to a power and we want to remake the world how we want, not yeah. how the rest of the world wants it, you know? Yeah. And, and um, and I think that the reason why Killmonger wants to use these weapons to, to right the wrongs and to destroy people and kill people is because of his essential Americanness. And Absolutely, the reason why T'Challa yeah. can't agree is because he's Wakandan. And he's like, no, we don't we don't do it in that way. I agree with your goal, but I'm not gonna sit there and become a murderer. Right. You know, you know, become a bully because right. people have been wrong. Because again, I mean fundamentally, like that's just doing what the oppressor does. Yes. Well, how did you know? You know, how did America become America? People stole land and people and made this country, right? And so here, by doing the same thing, we're we're not creating a better America. We're we're creating a Wakanda America, which is just as bad, just as oppressive as yeah. uh, America is. That's why, for me, it's like that's why I, I really get uh, frustrated at people who think that Kim Hogan was right because that, that that's actually actually the worst answer you can have because right. that's, because that that says that basically that 
all human beings are evil and that on oh, the ones in power are the ones that have the most physical power or, or, or guns. And I'm not a narrow change. And to me, that's a really cynical view of society. And I think it's enough good people on this planet where we can have societies that aren't controlled by force. We can have societies that actually people do right because it's right, not because yeah. it isn't financially interesting. And so that's why I thought to me, I get frustrated. And hopefully, I hope that um, that part two of the Black Panther film, they um, they go they go into this. Because I think that one group that's sort of lost in the film are other Africans. Yes. We rarely meet right. any non-African, um, um, the non-Wakandan Africans. And I think that hopefully Black Panther 2 is about the neighboring African um, societies you know, around Wakanda, you know, and maybe the conflict is going to be seen in there. And then I think they proved that people are interested in Black Panther. And I think they need, they need to have maybe make it less American in terms of right, what, what right, they right. and more African. Um, and then um, I have my notes here. Um, and, and you mentioned the scene um, where Kim Walker is taking over the throne. Yes. I just want to give you a bit of an aside in the comic book series. Um, in the comic book, Kim Walker regularly defeats um, T'Challa in battle and once did so to get the mantle. But there's a step missing in the um in the I guess the, the ceremony when, when one becomes the Black Panther. That's right. Uh, yeah. Essentially, their their god is called Bast, which mm-hmm. is the, the Black Panther god. It's actually, literally a Black Panther, and that Black Panther looks inside wherever the the um, contender for the throne. And if he the, the Black Panther is who's uh, who's uh, I guess the uh, the actual cat is a female cat. Um, if she decides that this person is not worthwhile, the Black Panther can reject. That okay. Person. Yeah. And that's so great. in the comic books, um, Killmarker won, but he was rejected by the god Bast and put into a coma. And then and then um, Black Panther was in a coma and he woke up and he got back the uh, mantle and Mr. T'Challa was in a coma because of the, the battle. Right. And so here I think that they also seemingly took away, in a sense, religion out, yeah, out of this true. as well. You know, and, and so to me, I hope that they'll begin bringing it in because I think that it's, I think that again, I mean, I understand why I did it because again, I mean, if you want to make something that a billion, can they can make a billion dollars, you want to make something that is so universal that there's no kind of, you know, people will be offended because it was not Christian or not Jewish, or not Muslim. But yeah, I, I think that um, so another element of themes that, that they can get into is actually, you know, like what do the Wakandans worship? One question I really want to be answered is um, what quote unquote tribe is to travel from. Yeah, they all don't these, right. And so um and to me and those are really interesting questions. And, and yeah. thus far none of the creators I've read I've read every issue of the Black Panther, none of the creators have have said anything about it. So that means that there's room for some yeah, exactly, yeah, creative yeah, minds yeah. to do something really cool with that. Poof, I hope that Black Panther two is as good as Black Panther one. You yeah, because oof, I, I don't often go to the movie theater, but mm-hmm. I do go to the movie theater every single time Marvel is, is out. Yeah, I think that says a lot about the draw that these have. Like, because it's an event, as you were saying before, yeah, like yeah. you know, to see how they're connected and things like that. Thank you. Yeah, I I just want to say too, I really appreciate your insight on you know, in thinking about the the T'Challa Killmonger conflict. That I, as I said, I've read different articles and I've myself kind of turned it over in a few different mm-hmm. ways. Um, but I really, really appreciate your insight on it being it being kind of a cynical view of humanity. Yeah. Um, his his view of the yeah. world, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's really really. Uh, if you don't mind, how do you feel about it? So it's hard for me to separate. I I think Michael B. Jordan is amazing. Um, <laughs> I've been a fan of his as an actor since he was on the show Friday Night Lights years ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, seasons <laughs> seasons four and five. Yep. That's right. Um, Great role, and even even The Wire. Have you seen The Wire? Um, I've seen some of The Wire. That's a show I have to 
come back to he, you and fully devote my time to you. Um, he, he's in the first season of that. Yeah, he. Um, I've seen him in Fruitvale Station, another Kogler film, oh, yeah. yep. Yep. Um, yep. which is fantastic. Wonderful. So I think he's such a compelling actor. And so I'm immediately compelled by the character. I'm compelled by the scene in which he's in the British Museum and oh, having great that great very real conversation about, you know, these stolen artifacts. And he is making so many points <laughs> that are so valid that you um you know i i can see that it's gone to a place where people have have said yeah he's right right because of this fact that he um he he is he's holding that mirror up to say hey you know this is the other side of wakanda's decision to not get involved right is that there mm-hmm. have been people who like him who are half wakandan right who mm-hmm. have been kind of um isolated and grown up in um a much more oppressive experience but at the same time i think as you were saying too we can't ignore as viewers the fact that he has been you know he he fought in afghanistan and in iraq right he fought uh he he worked for the cia right so he's a part of all of these very very american systems that as you were saying before it's a different worldview. So he's he's half Wakandan, yeah, but he's half American, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and not that it's all and about that, genealogy either, but in terms of the way he was brought up, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I would say he's almost all American socially. I mean, in terms yeah. of, you know, you know his, his ideals are very much American. He, exactly, he definitely might exactly. Be, definitely Wakandan descent, but yeah. And then, yeah. then also his father died, you know? So, I mean, he, yes. just, he didn't even have that connection with his father to teach him what Wakandan values were, you know? That's right. He, he referred to it as a fairy tale. Right. That when he was growing up, he heard about, you know, beautiful Wakanda. And to him, it was like he was believing in a fairy tale. So it wasn't it wasn't part of his reality and his social construction. So, yeah. So anyhow, I, I just to me, that's what makes um, these movies so worthy of rewatch and analysis and discussion is because, oh, yeah. you know, there's so much in there and especially this one. But yeah, anyhow, I again, I, I appreciate your insights on that a lot. OK, so before we wrap up. I want to ask first if there's anything else that you would like to share, any other thoughts that are on your mind that you didn't get to. And this, oh, uh, okay. yeah, go ahead. For me, I would say one, I would say um, um, right now, Tony C. Coates is writing. Uh, he's on, like, I think, volume eight of the Black Panther. It's like we mentioned before we started uh, um, before we started the interview, but like Marvel, like the, the comic books are actually struggling. For example, so in March, they simply just stop production. Of yeah, all comic books, yeah. and they re- they're only recently trickling out a, a couple books, right? And, and so I would say that you know, please, if you if you love uh, watching the Black Panther film, give uh, I would say Coates' run is ongoing right now; it's pretty good. Um, or even going back to the graphic novels of of, uh, of um Reginald Hutton. Uh, in addition, I would say that um, a guy who was a part of a, a edited volume I did on um on on black people in comics, uh, Todd Burroughs, he has an excellent book on T'Challa's in the comic books as cool. well as in, in film. And then if you want to read about you know real life Africans who actually were able to defeat colonialism, uh, yes. my book came out in January. It's called The Other Abyssinians. It's basically how the ways in which Ethiopia was able to create this nationalism with a bunch of ethnic groups that really didn't spend a whole lot of time, let's say, living peacefully with each other. Yeah, right, um, right. And they got all of them to unite to fight a, a battle during a famine during, uh, um, um, in Ethiopia. And so, I, I, I mean, it's one of the things that I was really passionate about in terms of why I wanted to um, both watch the Black Panther and also more about Ethiopia is that, hey, you know what? Not every single um, person of African descent 
it's not, not everyone was at the lowest point um, in terms of the society. Like there's yeah, many that are, yeah. are at a high point. And so here, there is a um, a parallel. Um, in many ways, there's so many artists who are producing great work. And right. we show we show you know our appreciation for them by you know buying you know their stuff their the arts are selling so again so support you know if you any Black Panther adjacent stuff I mean like for example like um I have about twenty Black Panther Funko Pops <laughs> um awesome. uh, you know around <laughs> you know you know, so, uh, so my, my, my not my not my son's into him too he's six and so uh he's more into the athletes. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, 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 now he has a collection in his room of Funko Pop. So, I mean, again, and, and to me, it's like, and they go kid like, wife doesn't get it. But again, <laughs> that, that's a bit, that's another way to support, you know, um, artists. So, they, yeah, that, that's how I would say. Again, if you like it, you know, show the world that you like it. Because, again, bottom line, I mean, yes, we live in a racist society, but mm-hmm. capitalism likes money. And if they see the profit mm-hmm. in it, Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to reproduce it. And I think that, again, I think that the, 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 I think the most powerful thing about the Black Panther was how successful the film was. That's right. That, that, that now, more and more, I mean, it's the, the crazy a risk to have a movie written by uh, Kugler and starring Bozeman and Jordan as a risk. You know, it's kind of, kind of crazy <laughs> to me. But now it's like there's no risk at all. That's right. And it, so, yeah, that, I guess that's what I would say. I love the Funko Pops. Oh, also, I want to thank you again for for <laughs> listening to my ramblings. I appreciate that, and and thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, talk about this film. Please, yeah. I again, I it's been an honor for me to to hear your insight and to get to know you a little bit in this conversation, and um, to get some great comics recommendations from you. Uh, maybe the name of your book one more time. Okay, the other Abyssinians. Fantastic. Abyssinia used to be what Ethiopia referred to itself as. Right. And so um, um, and so they basically and but only one ethnic group is seemingly is natural Abyssinians. But the bulk of the people that were uh, doing the fighting and the leading and and the things needed for an, an empire to run are the Oromo. Okay. And so it's about the uh, the Oromo's role within um, Ethiopia um, as in terms of the defense of um, against the Italians, as well as modernizing the state. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Brian. Oh, thank you as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow me at anidea underscore podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow on Instagram at bpenderillustrations. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening and join me next time for I Have Nothing to Prove to You, an analysis of Captain Marvel. <laughs>